What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Diary of an Empath. I'm back today with a solo episode, and I want to talk about ADHD because I have figured out my life makes so much more sense now that I know that I have ADHD. It was like a fucking light bulb went off in my head, and I'm like, holy shit. This is why I am the way that I am. I'm not broken. This is just ADHD. <laughs> and, you know, I think that it's it's served me well in many areas and it's allowed me to radically accept that this is just who I am. Um, and it served me really well in my career. It's served me well in the ambition and my success, my ability to um hyper focus and get a project done overnight, <laughs> but it hasn't served me well in in some areas, you know, and so I want to talk a little bit about how that can present itself, especially when it comes to women, because there's not a lot of data. So, you know, here's the thing back when ADHD first started becoming a thing and people started to really understand it more, there was being, you know, more studies that were being done. A lot of the studies were done on men and boys, and there wasn't a lot of gender differences that were notated because there was not a lot of studies done on girls and or women. And we're now just starting to come to the realization that there are gender differences. According to the, oh, there went my camera. According to the CDC, 12.9% of men and boys live with ADHD compared to 5.6 of women and girls. And I, I suspect that those numbers are actually much higher just because of the fact that we don't have that much studies that have been done on women, but women and girls may be affected more than the studies and the statistics suggest. And ADHD is just as prevalent in girls, but it's underdiagnosed due to different factors. And that's what I agree with too. I think that there's a lot of women who deal with ADHD, but are just not diagnosed. And I know I was one of them because I'm high functioning. And I think when we think of ADHD, we think of the hyper component to it of talking nonstop, not being able to listen, you know, go, go, go having energy. And I think of someone like myself, I'm like, well, I definitely don't have the energy component. I would love a little bit more energy in my life. Cause I am, it is the fact that I got on camera today is a plus. I don't have on makeup. <laughs> My hair is not fabulous right now, but you know what? I got up and I'm I'm recording. That's a win for me. I would love to have the energy to be able to do all the things I want to do, but it's just not there. But the ability for me to be able to communicate and to hyper-focus on certain things. But I think I thought ADHD would be, I can't do a podcast because someone with ADHD would not be able to have the self-awareness to know when to stop talking. <laughs> But that's not always the case. That's not how ADHD works. Boys and men are more likely than girls and women to be referred for services, even when their symptom profiles are exactly the same. So this leads to higher diagnosis rates among boys and men. A 2019 study suggests that ADHD diagnosis may be more easily missed among females during the diagnostic process. Females are also less likely to be prescribed medication and receive a diagnosis because they don't typically display the disruptive external symptoms associated with ADHD. So if all the studies and the majority of the studies were done on men and boys, especially when ADHD was prevalent and becoming more um, acceptable as a diagnosis, that 
impulsive component, that hyper component was prevalent more. And so a lot of women who are presenting with other symptoms, but not presenting with the hyper component are usually dismissed, which I think is really fascinating. So due to a lack of education on ADHD in women and girls, they're more likely to be improperly diagnosed with other mental health conditions, such as bipolar disorder, personality disorders, depression, and anxiety, which is really sad because there's so much stigma that is related to mood disorders. And, you know, it's, it's really depressing to know that somebody who has something so simple as ADHD can be misdiagnosed for a mood disorder that requires medication such as bipolar disorder. I mean, the amount of stigma that comes with that and the fact that medication can have so many side effects is really mind boggling to me. For adults, the diagnosis process can be complex. So the age of onset for ADHD symptoms is typically before the age of 12, but it can be as early as two to three years old. Boys tend to show an earlier onset than girls because of the presentation of symptoms. In a 2021 study on adult onset ADHD, it suggests that symptoms that present later in life could be due to childhood symptoms that weren't addressed by a medical professional. ADHD is a lifelong neurodevelopmental condition, which means that people do not grow out of it. But, and here's the key thing here, but symptoms can change over time, especially with an earlier diagnosis. You know, when I think about my childhood, I was never a hyper kid, but I was always the kid who asked a lot of questions. I was always very curious and I always got in trouble for that. I remember when I was in the Marine Corps and I was in boot camp, everyone always would ask me, Kaminga, Kaminga, hey, ask this question. Everybody was always scared to ask. I didn't give a fuck. I'm like, hey, and my my drill instructors would always get on me. I mean, it. I got my ass reamed throughout all of boot camp. I'm actually <laughs> Facebook friends with two of my drill instructors and I know they still remember me. They still remember me because I was that girl who could not keep her mouth shut. And it's not because I had a bad attitude. Well, maybe I did a little bit, but I was always curious. I always wanted to challenge authority. I always wanted to challenge the norm. And I was always very curious. And everybody always asked me to ask the questions. And I look back at that. I'm like, oh my God, that was so my ADHD that was kicking in. And it it started to change as I got older and as I you know matured more. And now it has turned into me being able to do this podcast, it served me his, my ability to process information is so quick, that being a podcaster serves me so good in my career. But it doesn't serve me well when I'm in the classroom, because when I'm in the classroom, I get bored, I anticipate questions. It's not fast enough for me. Um, when I'm in conversations with people, I'm already anticipating what they're about to say, which again, serves me well in the podcast community, but it doesn't serve me well in other communities, because if I'm out with friends or I'm doing something where someone's just meeting me for the first time, it can sound like I'm not taking the time to hear them or to listen to them or that maybe I'm self-indulgent or um, narcissistic when in reality, my brain's just moving very quickly. So I, I already know and anticipate what the person's going to say. And so I'm jumping in. And it's really helped me to understand those things about myself to be more intentional about remembering names, about remembering information, taking time to listen. And so 
symptoms. Let's talk about that. So ADHD symptoms in women and girls. Women are less likely to be externally hyperactive and impulsive than men. Internal hyperactivity in women can be in the form of overthinking, intrusive thoughts, and negative self-talk. I mean, holy shit. I can't tell you the amount of intrusive thoughts that happens to me on a daily basis. It's almost like in my brain, I have a hundred tabs open and I'm flipping from tab to tab to tab. And I cannot close that tab mentally until that thing gets done. The problem is, is that I have so many tabs open. I don't even know how to get that thing done. And that thing may not get done for like a year. I can't tell you how many light bulbs in my house that are out <laughs> that have not gotten fixed. I cannot explain to you how many envelopes pile up because I just don't open the mail, you know, until it gets to the point where it's like, holy shit, it needs to get done. My house is either spotless or really unorganized. There's there's like no in between for me because I spend so much energy on like hyper focusing on an activity or you know, if I do a project, I can literally get it done in one night. That's my superpower. But something like light bulbs never get changed or the fire alarm that's going off, you know, the chirping. Um, it's so bad that one of my best friends, when we're sending voice notes to each other, she was tired of hearing it and Amazoned me some batteries and it still didn't get done. <laughs> but that's my ADHD kicking in. Okay, so let's talk about some of the symptoms. Maladaptive daydreaming. So I think that can really just be thinking about the idealistic things, relationships, you know, things that you need to do. Anxiety is a big one. Um, anxiety about the things that haven't gotten done, the anxiety about the things that need to get done, the anxiety about how I came off to this person that I met. Did I say the right thing? Oh, my God, I can't believe I, I forgot their name again. Um, I can't believe I showed up late to this appointment. It's depression. Um, depression can definitely show up with ADHD in women, especially when you're trying to do a million things. It's not getting done. It's affecting your mood. You don't have time for self-care. Spacing out during conversations. This is a really difficult one, I think, for people with ADHD because we're already anticipating what we're going to say next. And sometimes there's a lot of conversations that are happening in our head literally can be having a conversation with somebody and I'm thinking about like, oh shit, I need to go to the grocery store or, oh my God, I didn't remember to send that document to my client. And so when I'm even doing my podcast, I have to be very, it, fo it forces me to be extra intentional when I have to listen. Same thing with my clients. I have to practice being very intentional on listening and actually grasping what they're saying as opposed to focusing on what my response is going to be. Literally, sometimes I will go into panic mode about not even listening to what they're saying, but panicking of what my response is going to be to the thing that they just said, therefore not paying attention to what they're saying now. That's how ADHD can be. And so it's kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy with anxiety. And if you would just listen to what they were actually saying, you wouldn't have to be so anxious about how you were going to respond. But it's really hard. Another symptom is easily losing focus. The ability to hyper-focus, though, is interesting because people with ADHD have this canning ability to go down rabbit holes or to hyper-focus on an activity that they're interested in. That's why you see kids who maybe can't sit still, but they can play video games for five hours. Um, with adults, someone like myself, 
I can look at a room and be like, I want to redecorate this room and hyper-focus and get it done within a matter of a day. I opened my business within a matter of two weeks. I was able to get my podcast up and running in a matter of a week. You know, so those things with that hyper-focus have really, really served me well. But the ability to focus in other areas of my life is really hard. So I forget things a lot. You know, like my my friend always tells me, she's like, you already told me this. I'm like, ugh, my bad. You know, I, I cannot seem to remember names for the life of me. I forget if I told my friends something, I end up repeating myself more than once, sometimes even with my clients too. So I've come to the point where I've told people ahead of time that, hey, I have ADHD. If I told you this already, my bad, radical acceptance of this is how I'm able to show up. But for me, also trying to be more intentional about trying to remember things, but it's it's just part of how my brain processes that information. Some people have an auditory processing disorder. This is how your brain is able to process information. And people who are neurodivergent process information differently than somebody who is neurotypical. So the majority of the population is neurotypical. They process information very commonly the same. Whereas people who are neurodivergent, the way that they process information in their brain is very different. So my processing speed, which I've been tested for, is in the 99th percentile of people my age in the world, meaning I process information 99% faster than almost everybody. And essentially what that means is the way that my brain takes in information is very quick. So I am already anticipating how to respond, how to react, and what to do. So in some instances, that serves me really, really well my podcast, being able to take on tasks that require, you know, very quick and efficiency, you know, to be very efficient in those tasks. But where that doesn't serve me well is in a classroom setting, um, in a space where I have to focus on one thing, especially if I'm not interested in it. If I am having conversations in a large group of people or, or a conversation that requires me to do a lot of listening. And so it's, a struggle. And I always thought for a long time that there's like something wrong with me. And I always felt very self-conscious of the way that I was perceived by other people because I felt misjudged. I feel and still feel this way that sometimes people misjudge me for someone that I'm not when really I just know that I have neurodivergent tendencies and the way that I process information is differently. So therefore the way that I respond to information is different. And I always just felt that people didn't really understand me for who I was. I'm like, no, I'm not a, I'm not a selfish person. I just, sometimes my brain is just thinking about a million things. I, I didn't mean to forget your birthday. I just didn't remember. And it's not because I don't care. I just, I just, I'm sorry. I just didn't remember. I, I remember forgetting one of my friend's birthdays and she was mad at me for for so long. And now I have it in my calendar to make sure that I don't forget. And so there are things that you can do to help um, your forgetfulness. And I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, it, it was a struggle for a long time before I understood that I wasn't necessarily the problem. It's just the way that my brain processes information that is the culprit. And it helped me to really radically accept myself um, so it's gotten a lot better. 
Did you guys know that I'm not only a therapist, but I'm also a coach and a professional tarot reader? Now, it's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future. It's a way to connect with your guides on life issues such as career and love and spirituality. And sometimes people need one-on-one coaching to help them through breakups, toxic relationships, healing the mother wound, their spiritual path, or navigating tools as an empath. So I do all of these things to help my clients pursue life and decisions and understand themselves. So if you are interested in one-on-one coaching or a tarot reading, click the link below to get started. Okay, back to the podcast. Eating disorders. This was a surprising one to me that there's a link with ADHD and eating disorders. And I'm not 100% sure on how that links or what that link is. But, you know, I think that there's a domino effect when it comes to ADHD, maybe the way that there's that negative self-talk, the way that we process information. I suspect um, trauma because there's a lot of studies that are now showing the link between trauma and ADHD. So I always recommend people who have ADHD to read the book Stolen Focus by Johan Hari. I really, really love this book because it talks about the link with trauma, the link with our environment in ADHD, and that it may not necessarily be genetic, that our environment can play a huge role on our ability to focus. Because if you think about trauma, if you're a child and you're in a chronic stress environment or have gone through trauma or traumatic events, you're constantly scanning your environment for safety. And if we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if our basic needs are not met, our safety needs are not met, we can't focus on our self-development. So If you're in a state of trauma, it's going to be really hard to focus on other things around you. So your your nervous system and your body and your brain get used to survival, and that's what it's focused on. So if you're going through life in survival mode, yeah, it's going to be really hard to focus on other things. So your focus is going to be more difficult. And so that link between ADHD and trauma is prevalent. It's something that's more new and people are starting to understand it more, but there's definitely a link there as well. Hypersexuality is another component of ADHD in women. So the ability to be a little bit more hypersexual, be more connected with your sexuality, to have multiple partners or to have promiscuity at a younger age. In patients, that's a big one. Um, and I think that's not just with ADHD. I think that's our society. You know, when when have you gone on a on an internet browser and it's not loading? I give it five seconds at the most before you're refreshing that page. We have been taught to be impatient. So I don't think that's just an ADHD thing, but it's more common and prevalent with people with ADHD. Body focused repetitive behaviors, skin picking, hair pulling, leg bouncing. So I think this comes with more of the hyper component. I also see this a lot with OCD. And maybe there's some overlap there with OCD and ADHD. Fatigue. This makes sense to me. I'm always tired. And again, going back to this is why I never realized I had ADHD because I'm like, well, I don't have the hyper component. I'm not energetic. I would love to be energized. And I'm not, I'm always tired. I'm tired as fuck all the time, all day long, because I'm doing so many things. There are so many tabs open. It is an energy sucking vampire. And so that fatigue is always there. Insomnia, 100%. I think that there's been times where, and I know, I know some of you can relate where you're laying in bed and thinking about, oh shit, 
I still need to do this. Oh, I didn't make this phone call. Or I got to call my doctor about this. Oh, I didn't do this at work. I wonder what Jimmy said about what I thought about X, Y, and Z. It's like, you just can't turn the tabs off. Shyness due to social anxiety and sensory sensitivities. I am overstimulated when there's too many people, especially when I'm hot. If I go to Universal Studios or Disney and it's hot or there's too many people around me, I am anxiety prone. I don't like it. It's overstimulating for me. It's too much energy and I got to get the fuck out of there. So a lot of people with ADHD also have social anxiety because the it's like sensory overload. And I also want to point out that there's sometimes an overlap with ADHD and autism. Sometimes you can have both. Even if you have high functioning autism, that neurodivergent traits can sometimes overlap. So sometimes people who have ADHD also are autistic and vice versa. And sometimes people who are ADHD are misdiagnosed as being autistic. And sometimes people who are autistic are misdiagnosed as having ADHD. So they may also experience the following symptoms of rejection sensitive dysphoria. Whew, this is a big one. Perfectionism. My hyper independence and my perfectionist mindset are not only a component of my ADHD, but also a fucking component of my trauma. 100%. Because my perfectionism mindset keeps me safe. And remember, like I said, if your mind is always focused on survival, we don't have time to focus on other things in our life. But you get really, really good at hyper-focusing on what you need to survive from. That can look like I'm hyper-focused on the footsteps in my house. I'm hyper-focused on the sounds. I'm hyper-focused on the body language of my parents. Because if they're having a bad day and I'm hyper-focused on this, I can pick up on things very quickly, aka being an empath, and I can know if I need to retreat, if I need to be quiet, if I need to stay out of their way. That's survival mode. That's why there's a lot of empaths who go through childhood trauma or childhood chronic stress. Those same empaths are highly likely to have ADHD. So if you're listening and this all resonates with you, the likelihood if you have ADHD, you're probably also highly empathic. And some of those characteristic traits can look like perfectionism, can also look like people pleasing. Again, going back to the trauma, the trauma component, if you are in survival mode, that people pleasing is probably going to come out more because if you are trying to please and trying to fawn the threat, you're less likely to be killed or to be hurt, you know, our, our survival brain. And so that fawning can be a defense mechanism that can turn into people pleasing as an adult. Codependency, that can also be attributed to ADHD symptoms body dysmorphia or negative body image, which ties into that perfectionist mindset, low self-esteem, overachieving or underachieving, intense emotional reactions and overwhelm. And for me, I look at all of these and I'm like, holy shit, this is, I resonate with every single one. Intense emotional reactions. I'm highly empathic. And again, that's trauma, right? overachieving, body dysmorphia, negative body image, that that need to 
be accepted and be perfect because if I have a perfect body, then I'm accepted by society and by the opposite sex. If I'm accepted, that means I'll survive. And so again, if we are in survival mode for the majority of our young adult life, we are going to learn ways to get our needs met by any means necessary. So that can be fawning, that can be people pleasing, that can be needing to have a perfect body, a perfect image, doing everything perfectly. And sometimes it could be the opposite. It could be underachieving, you know, wanting to not gain the attention, wanting to be super quiet so nobody pays attention to me because if no one pays attention, I'll survive. Or if everyone pays attention, I'm accepted and I'll survive. That's what our brain goes to. And so I, I think that there's a really strong link between trauma and ADHD. And it's so, so relevant. ADHD symptoms in men and boys can look a little bit differently. It can be more hyperactivity. So when we think of like the typical ADHD, the fidgeting, the, the compulsiveness and not being able to sit still, you're going to see that more in boys and men. Disruptive behavior. So think about that kid that you went to school with who was like super hyperactive, couldn't sit still, or maybe that's your child now. And so that's going to be more prevalent in boys and girls, frequently losing items. I can definitely relate to that one. Interrupting others during conversations, aggressive behaviors and risk behaviors. So substance misuse, speeding, unhealthy sexual behaviors, excessive financial spending. It can present among men in the same intensity as women, but men can also experience low self-esteem and insecurities. But most of the time it's externalized as anger, apathy, self-centeredness, seeming insensitive to other people's emotions, teasing others or being sarcastic, needing to be right or proving others wrong, and defensiveness. Sounds a lot like narcissistic behavior. The key difference here is the ability to have empathy. So just because somebody has high narcissistic traits doesn't mean they're a narcissist. Remember, the whole reason why people do this is to get their needs met. The difference, a narcissist does not have empathy. They're not capable of having empathy. So someone with ADHD that might have some of that self-centeredness, it's not necessarily about um, being a narcissist. It's it's more of getting their needs met in ways that have worked for them because of survival mode, but they are capable of having empathy towards others. That's a really big difference. And they're able to have heightened emotions or emotional dysregulation, but it can look more like temper tantrums and anger outbursts. It's that emotional dysregulation piece. There are many men who are emotionally sensitive and because of gender bias, they are shamed for being in touch with their emotions instead of meeting society's expectations of being tough and strong. And that's that toxic masculinity. We expect men to be stoic and it's really difficult for men to be able to show their emotions. And so what happens when men feel that they can't show their emotions, but those emotions are there? Anger, anger, outbursts, you know, impulsivity, sexual impulsivity, speeding, reckless behavior. and People of different genders experience ADHD in different unique ways, but there's a lot of studies that still need to happen. Again, this this gender differences with ADHD is a very, very new world. It was very much centered on boys and men for a very long time, and we're, we're just now starting to get more of an understanding and curiosity towards the gender differences of ADHD. And I really want to do another episode with an ADHD expert because I really feel like 
we can learn so much about ourselves and understanding Um, especially if you have neurodivergent traits. And for those of you that resonate with this, I will say that the only, the only way to truly know if you have it is to get tested. It's a whole like cognitive test and it's got to be through a neuropsychologist. Um, Most insurances cover it, but you know, it can help you to relate and you don't always need medication. I personally don't take medication. I I'm high functioning. I do okay without it, but it's at least helped me to understand where I'm at. It's helped me to understand myself. It's helped me to not be as hard on myself as I have been in the past. And it's helped me to help people in my life understand that it's not personal. I just come out the door like, hey, listen, I got ADHD. There's going to be some times when I forget things. There's going to be some times when I repeat things, apologizing ahead of time. Just let me know when I do it. That's it. I just need to know. So I hope that this gave you guys some understanding, especially for those of you that um, re- resonate with this, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. It's just something that, you know, we have to deal with and we just have to learn different ways to, to focus. I've also learned that there are some things that have been really helpful for me. Some of that being that if I come, if I, if something comes into my mind during that like moment, and if I can do it within a matter of under five minutes, I will just do it right then and there. So for example, if all of a sudden something pops in my head, like, oh, you have to make that appointment. If I got five minutes, instead of saying like, oh, I don't feel like doing it right now. Nope. I just force myself to do it right then and there. If something pops in my head of like, oh, you got to pay that bill. I will just do it right then and there. Instead of putting papers to the side, intentionally, I will go and put those papers away right then and there. Because if I don't do it in that moment, It'll pile up and pile up and pile up and pile up. And then it's just, it gets to the point of no return. And then I have a big pile of something that I have to do. And now I have to hyper-focus and use a lot of energy that I could be using on other things. So I have found that's helpful. Another thing that I have found that's been very helpful for me is a calendar. Oh, if it's not in my calendar, it will not get done. I put everything in my calendar from my skincare, uh, going to get a massage to my client's to appointments. If it's not in my calendar, it will not get done. So I have found that putting it and putting it in a space that I check every single day has been extremely helpful for my forgetfulness. It's really important that um, as someone with ADHD, that you write things down in a place that you will check every day because otherwise you will forget. So those are just some of the things that has been helpful for me. I'm really curious for some of you that have ADHD, what has been helpful for you? Tag me in a post. I want to hear it. I love when you guys are responding because it helps me to learn and grow too. I love when you guys are responding because it helps me to learn and grow too because I learn so much from you guys. And for those of you that are not following the podcast, please hit the follow button because it helps the podcast to grow and to have amazing guests that continue to help you guys and to um, grow the podcast even more. And let me know how you guys are getting on from there. And I can't wait to see what this year brings us with amazing guests. Thank you for those of you have that have been just sticking along and continue to listen, learn and grow. I love you guys. And until next time, see you on the next episode of Diary of an Empath. 